Welcome to Martial Parts, the podcast where we discuss the different parts of martial arts. I am your host and Gila enthusiast, Nolan Lacey. I am your co-host and Tang Sudo enthusiast, Brent Lacey. So, Nolan, how have things been on your end uh, these days with the most recent uh, Corona updates? Mostly pretty good. I bought a new sword to not use on anybody, so that's exciting. Why, why buy a sword if you're not going to use it? Because it, I... One, I needed a new one. The one that I had previously was not balanced super well, and I was kind mm. of feeling like the first tinges of tennis elbow. Just like Pirates of the Caribbean, the tang was not the full width of the blade. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there were some other problems with it, but I, I just... I did not initially pay the amount of money for a good sword thinking that I could get away with it, and then I wasn't, so I just paid what I should have paid to begin with. Lots of walks, been doing good, mm -hmm. wishing I could do get... Do you go and train on the backyard? I do train in the backyard. I actually have been talking with one of my friends who's a coach for a co completely different sport, and he set me up with a personal training plan that I've been doing on my own just to help with, you know, fitness and aerobics and... Staying in shape, giving giving me a goal. I've always found it easier to train if I have a path forward than just throwing things together and hoping that I'm doing something. <laughs> mm -hmm. How about you? How's training been on your end? We do some forms out in the backyard when we can. I have not been able to convince my wife to practice any hand-to-hand -hand stuff with me. She doesn't like when we do the wrist locks and the grapples and stuff. And I have to respect that because I, I live with her. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's it's a little depressing that I can't. Like, I have to hurt somebody. <laughs> I can't hurt it. There's nobody to hurt. Like, I don't, I can't practice all the little stuff. Like, you can't practice an arm bar without a person to do an arm bar on. Like, you can do it, but it doesn't count. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I keep trying to get my wife to just hold the sword in place so that I can do additional moves so that I can add, mm -hmm. you know, skill sets. She has no interest in helping. So. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta respect it, though. Yep. yep. Um, I did grab some. We've got some Muay Thai shields at the house that I brought back from the studio. So when when we're feeling froggy, we'll go out and do like a you know hand technique workout. One person holds the the targets up. The other person does some combinations. You know, some boxing drills, jab cross, uppercuts, sort of thing. Sure. Just to stay stay loose. And then we'll do the same thing for, for kicks, just hold the targets up, just run through some kicks. But as far as like sparring, not in the not in the cards for us right now. Maybe maybe she says, she says I kick her in the head too much. <laughs> Give her a couple of more weeks and she'll probably wanna punch you in the head a couple of times at least. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> so we've been doing that and then I've been getting into running a lot more because it's I guess easy to do when you're when you're quarantined. I used used to run quite a bit, but then you know, life gets in the way and you find excuses not to. Yeah. But I'm uh, back to three three days a week. Nice. Going for a little jog around the block. It's good. It's like, it's very easy to stay inside and stay lethargic all day. Yeah. So if you can get out and just get your heart rate up. It sucks doing it, but when you're done, it feels so great. And the the season that at least I'm in now is is not too hot to be miserable to go on a run in the afternoon, mm -hmm. but not, you know, too cold to hate your life getting wind chapped and itchy while you're running right. so it's definitely it definitely helps facilitate getting those steps in yeah. I'm, I'm up to about uh i don't know eight to ten miles a week yeah during the winter here it gets way too cold you gotta you gotta get all bundled up to do your run and then you're sweaty and gross by the end and you're all wet in your hoodie yeah 
And I'd say in like one more month here, it's going to be too hot to even consider going out before eight or nine o'clock to run. Right. Ugh. Part of the training I've been doing has been um, calisthenics, trying to do more explosive things, lunges mm-hmm. and stuff. And uh, I still don't like these, but I've been doing tons and tons and tons and tons of burpees. Mm. I'll do uh, 10 or 15 minute just horrible calisthenics set and I'll try and do at least 50 burpees in each set that I do and like Mm -hmm. I don't have any weights at home I don't have a bench I don't have any home gym stuff and just doing burpees I've noticed that you can you can add some muscle and you can definitely tone up doing things like that it's it sucks but you have you have access to everything you need to work out We'll we'll do an upper body workout in the basement with like push ups. We we'll do decline, incline, regular push ups, and towards my uh, you know the, the time of the workout when you would normally try to max out, I'll try to do uh, handstand push ups. And, and have have Tanvi help me out with that, which sucks because you're you know military pressing your whole body weight. Yeah, essentially that's that's a and whole different set of muscles. Yeah, no, I can do I can do two. I can definitely do two. And three is iffy, and there's no way in hell I'm doing four. So it drops off pretty quickly. I think um, my... I used to lift a lot. This is totally out of context for martial arts, but I I could squat a lot and I could deadlift a lot, but I think the proudest I ever was was doing a strict press, which is a standing military press. Um, I think I did 195, which at the time was like five pounds less than my body weight. That was the hardest thing I have ever done. I've only OHP'd like 140. Sucks. At my, at my best. Yeah, it's hard. That's one thing I am very upset about the quarantine that you can't, all your numbers are going to drop off unless you have a home gym. Yeah. Yeah, all the yeah. home gym people are just laughing at everybody else. Well, we were laughing at them long before this. So <laughs> it's probably about even. But yeah, that's that's about all we're doing is, is practicing um, some drills, do the forms a lot. This has given me time to really work on some of the details of my techniques. You know, in, in, in class, sometimes it's all about just how how hot and sweaty can you get and how many bruises can you get with the other guy. Yeah. But since we have since we have time, I'm working on some of the details. The floor at my studio is kind of padded. It's not mats by any sense of the means, but it's some, uh, I think it's horse mat. Okay. So like thick, thick rubber. Yeah. So if you hit it, it's still going to hurt, but it's still a little more forgiving than like concrete. Yeah. The basement in my house where we're practicing is concrete, so you don't want to take a fall at all. Yeah. Um, but, it, but what I found that the harder the, the floor is, the easier it is to keep your balance. Yeah. Because any, any <laughs> tiny little adjustment with your ankle, you, you have total control because the floor is not giving. So you don't have to mitigate my balance wavering versus the floor moving against my weight. Yes. So the basement's been real good for that, practicing on hard stone. Um, any any one legged techniques, like 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 practicing where your kicks go. Yeah. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna slow down and really drill where your foot position is, it's a lot easier on hardwood than on mats. Yeah, there's total constant contact with the ground. We have mats in our training facility. The facility is essentially a a warehouse. It's just cinder blocks. And is that a is that a regular house that transforms? In the light of the full moon into a big hairy house. Yeah. With longer teeth. And it walks around and it consumes all the other businesses around it. 
Yeah, warehouse. Warehouse. Uh, okay. <laughs> so the temperature inside fluctuates a lot, summer to winter. Oh, yeah. Um, so the mats have shrunk and grown and shrunk and grown enough that they don't really fit well together. So someone will go in for a lunge, and then they'll be doing a split because the mat will have come with their yeah. foot when they landed and just slid out from where it was. We used to train in a dance hall, a ballroom ballroom dance studio. Yeah. Nice hardwood floor, but we would put down those puzzle mats at the beginning of class to kind of protect their floor. Yeah. But same thing, a ballroom dance floor is pretty slick, so you'd you'd be sparring and you'd you'd jump in to do something or catch your weight some wonky position and the puzzle mats would just rip apart and they just slide out and then you're doing a you're doing a split right on the on the hardwood floor there. There's gotta so, be a better I, I, way to set these things up. Well for some people it's it's dangerous. Like for my old people, like you yeah. just couldn't do it. Yeah. But, but for my young folks, it's like Hey man, maybe you got a maybe you got a Anakin Skywalker it, and there's like you know floating rocks in the lava, and you got to jump from rock to rock, and who knows? Who knows where you're gonna have to fight? Context. Yeah, context. So one thing I have been doing a lot, I got a lot of spare time these days in between our our Zoom classes, and what I've been doing is watching a lot of boxing videos yeah. on YouTube. Not necessarily matches, but like the 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 uh, compilation videos. So just like and, highlights from yeah, and my favorite favorite uh, of all these is when when it's when cocky fighters get knocked the fuck out yeah, which is so fantastic. I watch twenty minutes solid of just like guys you know big chesting it towards the other guys, and then it fast forwards to when they just get like knocked out. So so satisfying, even if I can't spar right now. Schadenfreude, just yeah. Oh. It's fantastic. You watch the eyes roll back and the shoulders kind of arch up and they just fall straight back. I saw one video today. It was just a clip. I I don't know if there was a lot of boasting going on beforehand, but there was an exchange. The guys came up. One guy came in to punch. Is this at the weigh-in? No, no, no. This came in in the ring. Yeah, in the ring. So they're they're coming in for a pass. Not the weigh-in where they're kissing each other, right? No, no, (laughs) no. This is in the actual match. Guy comes in. Uh, throws a couple of punches the guy ducks moves his head for the second punch lands right on that nerve that knocks him out right mm-hmm. so the guy crumples like usually they fall back their feet go up it's very cartoonish this guy just went straight down like his legs yeah, so knee, knees knees and ankles just <laughs> yeah crumple straight like a like a soda can but the guy knew he landed that punch so he pops him in the jaw the guy collapses and he immediately just starts like Sambaing away like doesn't mm. look at him doesn't try and go after him again like a lot of people do when they hit the mat like lands it sees him falls down and just dances away yeah and that was just i i don't know the the context around that i'd like to i'd like to see the full match but watching that was just funny i like the ones where the guy is so overconfident he drops his hands or he'll do something like make faces stick his tongue out the other guy yeah and whether it's whether it's immediate or whether it's five rounds later, when he just comes out swinging, he just goes down. And you're like, "Hey, man, that's karma. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have done that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bad idea." And I, and I get like, you know, with boxing, it's it's a show, it's entertainment. So I imagine some of these kids are like encouraged to showboat a little bit because you're trying to make a, 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 an entertaining show for the people. But you know, me personally, if I was ever in a boxing ring, I wouldn't. I wouldn't showboat at all because if you win, that's great. If you lose, you're like, "Hey, man, you know, you wouldn't, you yeah. wouldn't showboat or nothing." But if you come in like 
running your mouth and making faces and stuff, then like people are just cheering for you to get knocked out, which is great if you don't get knocked out. But if you do, which is a 50-50 chance of it, yeah, then like you, you kind of look like a douchebag. And the stakes are so high with your record with boxing and MMA that, okay, so you're cocky, you get knocked out once, but so you, you have a good comeback. But if you're cocky and you do that shit all the time and you get knocked out two or three times, you'll probably get some more fights, but you're never going to be the top tier fighter that you're projecting yourself as. Yeah. And every knockout's like brain damage. That too. Yeah. There was just a fight (laughs) with, um, I don't know. I don't really keep up with MMA, but it was in Jacksonville. It's in my hometown. And, um, it's not your hometown. It's, it is my current living town. Anyways, the two guys were fighting the guy who won. He looked kind of beat up, but the guy who lost, was like immediately hospitalized and both his eyes are swollen shut and like he's missing teeth and like blood all over it. And there's a picture of him two days later in the hospital, just like giving a thumbs up and just still bloodied and gross. And I understand how much money's on the line with these guys, especially ones going for title bouts. But like if your sport is, even if you win can end in a concussion, I think, I used I used to be really eager to try shit like that, but as I get older, it's just not worth it. Like even if you win, it's gonna hurt and suck. Like you know, I I I I lift something wrong and my back's out <laughs> for like a week now. Yeah. I can't imagine somebody actively trying to hurt me. I have strained my back getting out of bed. Like yeah, I get, I I put my feet down, I stand up, and immediately collapse back onto the bed. <laughs> Where you like sneeze the wrong way? (laughs) That's two days. Yep. Welcome to Martial Parts, where we talk about being old. (laughs) There's old martial artists and bold martial artists. (laughs) There's also some old, bold martial artists, and they have a lot of concussions. Um, I've only ever had one concussion, and it was enough to make me... That was it. That was it. No no other smacks to the head. From Uh, from you. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. I think it was we we were kind of drunk and I did something stupid and you put me on my ass and I woke up and had a concussion. Oh, yeah, I deserved Sorry. it. <laughs> I, I don't like I don't even remember what it was at this point, but I know I deserved it. Um, and I don't think you even did anything like I didn't have a bruise on my face. You didn't punch me in the face or anything. I think you probably just pushed me and I was drunk and I just fell like a tree. Just <laughs> And uh, just that experience, like, you know, I've had people ask if I want to go and learn boxing or or pick up a martial art or something. And I I think part of the big appeal with HEMA, not that you can't get a concussion in HEMA, but everybody's wearing head protection at all times. And (laughs) so you get stabbed instead of concussion. Exactly. Like, I'd rather miss an eye than have another concussion. Well, damn, man, I'm sorry about that. I'm Eh. glad I'm glad you're okay. Yeah. You know, whatever. You get some you get some drain damage and it's okay in a couple of years. <laughs> they say there's no side effects, but flumming I haven't had some of them. Right? Yeah, exactly. What was kind of transition to what I wanted to talk about is like we we've talked about our theoretical practice, but I, I would love to delve in a little bit to like actual fights we've been in before. Yeah. And and how that's how that's panned out. Um so there's a, you know, there's like, there's, there's street fights and then there's like ring fights. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's a couple that, that come to my mind 
Um, one of the best ones, which was, I don't think there was any malice involved. It wasn't a violent altercation, but it was, I don't know. It was a good story. I, I was <laughs> in college and I was visiting a, but a coworker of mine. I used to cook in a French restaurant. One of the other cooks there, he ran a Taekwondo studio. He was a second or third degree Taekwondo instructor. And he invited me to come to his studio to spar on a weekend. So I, I, I drove over. I think I was a uh, second or third degree at the time. Oh, second. Definitely. I was second because I was still in college. Okay. And I, I was sitting downstairs in their lobby. They were having some business meeting or instructors meeting or something. And uh, when he, when they were done, he sent down one of his students to come fetch me to come upstairs because we were going to start class. And this little kid comes down and from where I was sitting, I, I'm 20, 20 or 21 at the time. This this individual looks to me like a thirteen year old boy, real small, real petite, like short cut hair, like nearly a buzz cut, um, very like young male, masculine presentation. Shape. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, this is one of his twelve year old, thirteen year old boys. Uh, they were a red belt, so they come down. They go, "Are you Mr. Lacey?" And I go, "Yes, I am." Go, okay, or no, no. I, they said, "Are you Mr. Lacey?" And I go, "Yes, sir, I am." And uh, she looks at me and she goes, it's ma'am, actually. So <gasps> it was like it was like a 20-year-old woman with just a short haircut, <laughs> a young boy. And there's no recovering from that. Nope. You know, when you, <laughs> when you blatantly misgender somebody. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I think I apologized and we went upstairs. And the whole morning was just rounds of sparring. One minute on, 30 seconds off to stretch, back in. And I was sparring her. Uh, she's a red belt, and I was a second-degree black belt. So I think there was at least six, seven years difference in our training. Sure. And we're going back and forth. And, you know, we're, you know, anytime we train, it's anytime we spar, it's, it's never 100% full contact. Yeah. Um, you might get a little excited, but it never goes above 80%. Like, the, the, the power you're using in a sparring match shouldn't ever be what you would do to, like, break a board. Yeah, or do a self defense maneuver, you know, because you can really you can really hurt somebody even with with gloves on. Anyway, so we're sparring back and forth, and this is this Korean style. They're Taekwondo, I'm Tang Sudo, so it's a lot of kicks, a lot of spinning techniques. Um, and I don't even remember the exchange, but at one point she just whipped around, and I just saw her to spin away from me, and then I woke up. Oh my and god, that's, that's all. That's all I remember. <laughs> so she had come around. With a, a hook, a spinning hook kick or a wheel kick, and both of those are with the the back of the heel. Yeah. So she had spun all the way around, got her head up above, or got her leg up above my head, and came back, and her heel cracked me right on the cheek, Ugh. right below my eye eye socket, and uh, that was it. There's, I don't I don't remember what happened after that. Did she break but anything? Kind of kind of waking up. Well, it 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 that's what I it felt like it, it felt like she just <laughs> cracked my skull. But I don't think it was malicious because she stopped immediately and everybody just, you know, they took care of making sure I was fine. I thought it was, a, it was a real great way to visit a neighboring studio, just show up and get knocked the fuck out <laughs> by one of your red belts. <laughs> yeah, I had, a big, I had a big shiner on my face for the week there. And I've always, and I've always thought like, did I fuck up or did, was she gunning for me because I <laughs> misgendered her at the beginning of our training session? But yeah, man, that sucked. <clears throat> it was real bad. Yeah, blows to the face are not fun. I watched this video the other day where the focus was on fake martial artists. Those guys who do the, you know, they have like 50 people line up and they just shake their hands and they all fall down right. kind of thing. Yeah. 
so this guy put up like five grand of his own money to fight any martial artist to prove that he was better than any of them. And the first thing that happens is this guy comes up and he, he shakes his hand at this guy and this other guy just decks him in the face. And in the mm. video, you can see that's the first time this guy has ever been hit in the face. Like mm. you see it and he's like, oh, she sucker punched him or this was during no, the, no, no, the official the, match. Yeah, this was during the official match. And the guy was a black belt in, I, I want to say Taekwondo too. You know, the the guy came up and he's doing all these things and the the actual martial artist just like sweeps his hands, punches him in the face. Yeah. And the fake martial artist is like, oh, he's not supposed to do that. I'm supposed to win. Oh, shit. This hurts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you could tell throughout the match, it, it only went on like three or four more exchanges. Like it was not a long fight. Yeah. The the guy, every time he'd hit him in the, because he that's how he ended it. He'd pop him in the face. Every time they'd get into exchange, pow. And every time he'd do it, the fake guy would back up and cover his face and the martial artist would like stop and look at the ref and ask him, you know, are you okay? Like, yeah, you just, just checking to make sure we're good. Right. But yes, in sparring situations like that, you know, if you're not prepared yeah. for a kick to the face, it doesn't matter if you're wearing padding, like it's going to hurt. <laughs> I was, I was conducting a test one time. This is about seven, six, seven years ago. And one of the fellas testing was 10 years older than I at the time. Well, he's still 10 years older, yeah. but he was also 10 years older than. Be weird if he was four um, years older than you now. Yeah. And then he was seven years older than I was older. Was <laughs> uh, he used to be a bouncer. Big, big dude. I mean, he's 6'3", 250. Um, he'd kind of softened up a little bit in his older age, but still big, big dude. Big guy. And uh, I had been grading the tests I had been proctoring the test all morning, so I wasn't warmed up or anything. Sure. And I only say that because it was, it, I think it was a lack of control on my part that ended, that, that caused this, this story. Um, so we, we had gotten to the sparring portion of the test. So I put down all my grading papers. And as the students were cycling through sparring with the other instructors, people who were testing for senior rank, I said, okay, well, you and I are going to spar now. And it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, to try to show off to the other students or anything like that it was it was simply like i want to see what can you do yeah what, what do you got yeah and so i told him this guy's easily seven eight inches taller than me 50 pounds bigger big big dude and so i i leaned in and this was probably not a good idea i leaned in and i said i just want you to stay on your feet don't fall down okay and he, yeah he raised his eyebrows at me just like that he's like oh yeah so we're going and we're sparring, and I try to th I start th trying to throw in some takedowns, some leg sweeps, mm -hmm. which is not standard sparring for us. Yeah, uh, it's usually just just point sparring. Where where are you where are you tagging your your partner? But I said, you know, this is a big guy. I want to want to push him a little bit. So I kept trying to knock him down, and I told him his goal was like, don't let me knock you down. And there was there was one tussle we got into where I had one leg wrapped behind his leg, and I was leaning into it. So he was starting to go, but you know somebody 50 pounds bigger than you, you you gotta nail it yeah if you're gonna take him down so he he recovered and he muttered something like oh is that what we're is that what we're gonna do and and he cranked it up three points Ugh. he cranked it up three more easily he, he started he started going i was like oh shit this isn't good so i gotta i gotta crank it up a little bit uh and this this was my folly was i i, I was <laughs> letting him dictate the pace of the fight um, so at one point I, I turned around to a spinning back kick. So that's where you're facing your, your opponent. Say you've got your, your right foot back facing your opponent. Yeah. 
you spin you spin backwards towards your right foot and that right foot comes around and kicks back towards your opponent so i don't know if you're f- familiar with sidekick but it's essentially a sidekick that you've kind of wound up behind your body so you have more distance for it to pick up speed sure and i went up and I clocked him right right in the cheek and he just hit the deck just down Blah. and he's rolling around the ground holding his face <laughs> he like he wasn't crying but he was making some whimpering noise like it was it was bad and my first thought was like oh shit i broke his skull <laughs> like this is not good so I'm thinking about, okay, liability and insurance, and his, his son is on the testing group, so his son's having to watch this whole thing. So it was it was a debacle. Uh, he, he was fine, though. He got up. He finished the test. In the, in the water under the bridge. He didn't hold any grudges. I brought them a, a six-pack and a casserole at their house <laughs> later. Like, sorry for knocking your dad out. Here's <laughs> uh, But he, he was totally cool with it. But, but the what I learned from it was, like, Testing you know, days are not times it, to try that. Well, it doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take a lot to severely hurt somebody. And my my mistake was I, I jumped right into a sparring match without warming up. So my, my control wasn't exactly where it needed to be. I wasn't yeah. stretched out. I didn't have total awareness of my limbs. So, you know, I wasn't aiming to knock the guy down, but being, being cold and jumping in and, you know, thinking with your 20-something-year-old <clears> brain... Not the best. Yeah. Not the best thing. But he, he, he recovered. They still they still train with me, so nice. It, it was fine. Yeah, we didn't we didn't lose anybody over that. So I haven't actually <laughs> every match that I have meant to go to to actually compete in, uh the first couple of months I wasn't able to make it because I was traveling, and now everything's canceled. So I haven't yeah. actually had an official match against another school in competition but we've had some people from schools travel just to train with us for a weekend and i've done fairly good honestly against other other people um because there's so many different things you can train from you know if somebody's working a different method if somebody like one of the groups that we train against a lot uh studies fiore which is just a totally different system than meyer and is this like your Hufflepuff group? Kind of. Yeah, kind of. So <laughs> the guy I was sparring that they put me against had about the same amount of time training as I had. So at the at the time, four or five months. And their philosophy at the other school, they're very nice. They're, they're really great guys. But they, they train like you should hit someone in a battle. So that's not safe. No, it's not. And and calibration is a a point that a lot of people in HEMA talk about because there's an idea that it's not necessarily a sport. It's it's combat. You're still in combat. So you need to fight like you're in combat. Protect yourself like you're going to go onto a German battlefield with a longsword. Well, and I got I got points about that. I'm going to bring that up once you I'm going to want to come back around once you're done with this one. Yeah. So the. We we get told we're fairly light on our touches. So a lot of people don't like when we score points because they they feel that we have not delivered a strong enough blow to be considered match. So these, these are these are a group of twenty three year old dudes, is what you're saying? Pretty much, yeah. They're they're bro 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 bro. You didn't bro, even hit me. You didn't even hit me. Like I could I could handle that. It's fine, bro. But you know the the philosophy behind it is. I mean, even in the manuals, in the books, they talk about 
past the 14th century, these sort of bouts are more for honor. They're not to kill someone. It's first blood. So it's just, if you hit someone on the top of their head and they start bleeding, you've won. There's no lopping off hands. There's no breaking necks. There's none of that. It's just first blood. So a lot of what we train to is we go in, we have an exchange. I'll hit or make a cut or have a thrust or something. And if I feel them moving back, if I've applied enough force that I've changed their direction, the match is over. I've won. But a lot of times people will go, well, they, you know, the judge didn't see that or they didn't call it. So I'm just going to beat the shit out of them because they're, they're, they think they've won. So they just come up out of nowhere and smack you on the side of the head. Right. So that's, that's the, how the majority of my matches have gone when people are being serious. And, 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 and that's one of the things that I've started to think about getting a little older is I understand that mindset in a competition. Perhaps you scored on me with a technique that is technically a point, but you didn't actually stop me from anything. It's simply the judges saying, oh, that was valid enough to count as a point. Yeah. Whereas was this, if this were a real confrontation, like that wouldn't have stopped me. But I feel like that mindset really limits who can train in martial arts to adults in their peak physical condition. Yeah. And I feel like that's a disservice to kids that want to try it. That's a disservice to older folks that want to practice martial arts for other reasons apart from competition. Because, yeah, it's like if we're sparring and you scored a point that was just a tap on my ribs and the judges awarded a point, like, yeah, I totally could have taken that in real life and it wouldn't have slowed me down. But like, what's what's the end goal that we're trying to get to? Because if it's, you know, who's bigger and badder and can hurt more people, then it's it's always going to be like the biggest person in the room. You know what I mean? And it kind of leaves out the other ninety nine percent of people who wanna who wanna practice and train simply just just to get good and just to understand what the martial arts is. Yeah. So I feel like it's it's a phase everybody has to go through. Where you get frustrated that I can't actually just throttle you in the ring because <laughs> I really want to, but I feel like that's just your twenty-three-year-old brain going like, "Oh, we gotta, do, you know, the, the big stuff, and then gotta get the guy." And rah. yeah, yeah, it's 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 hard because I mean I know you can do this too, but having the leverage of a metal object swinging, you you know, even if you're wearing padded armor, you can break someone's arm, you can break someone's collarbone. Uh, breaking fingers happens well, but, all the time. But my point is, I don't think the focus should be who's the best in a one-on-one confrontation. Because no matter how good you are, there's always going to be somebody else out there who's better. Yeah. So if your sole focus is just to find out who is the best, well, A, it's probably not you. <laughs> not you personally, but like, yeah. it's probably not the person thinking that because the chances are there's going to be somebody else. And B, like, there's plenty of people who just don't give a shit about that kind of competition. They don't. That's not why they're training. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're not they're not training to be the best fighter. They're simply training to like be healthy and to get better flexibility and just live longer. Yeah. You know? Definitely. I think HEMA is still to the point where a majority of the people who do it are in the mindset that they need to be the best fighter. But I'm there there is a slow transition to more of a modern martial arts aspect of people using this as a fitness program too not necessarily caring about getting all the correct gear and 
Yeah. And if you're a business owner, that's the angle you should be taking because, you know, let's be honest, most of us aren't going to have to worry about a hand-to-hand, face-to-face self-defense situation Yeah, you're, in, in our lives. Let me tell you. Hopefully. You're never going to have to worry about facing someone else with a sword in the wild. So... Right. Yeah. <laughs> You ninety nine percent of the time, gun beats sword every single time. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You know. Do you want to move on to context in training, or did you want to continue on with fights? Because I, okay, I think I really only have. I I've never just been in a random fight, like out in the wild, and my experience in Hema is you know essentially six months. I mean, like, I, I, at this point, have almost been doing it for a year, but, you know, three and a half, four months of it at this point have been either under quarantine or traveling. So, you know, since January, I haven't been to the school consistently. My my experience with in-house fights and com- competitive fights is very limited. But there was one notable one at a football game. They have swords at football they games? They don't have swords. This was, this was a, about to be a fist fight, but it ended in just one bonk on the head. Hmm. So in college, I was on the crew team, and uh, the college I went to, every club got block tickets. So you didn't have to reserve your own ticket. You didn't have to find all your friends. If you were on a club, they just gave you, you know, 50 tickets for the club. Everybody sat in one section. On crew, you're either usually a very big person or a very, very small person. And being in between is not a great thing for the sport. So one of the coxswains, the really small guys, was at the very back end of our group. He was at the top row of where we were sitting. And just behind him were extremely drunk frat bros that just, they started pushing him and calling him names and making fun of him. And, like, in crew, the mentality is you kind of take care of your coxswain because they are a small person. So, like, eight guys just turned around and were like, hey, stop. Just stop. Like, don't do not do what you're doing because, you like, there's 50 of you. That's not a good thing to do. Right. There's 50 of you and there's 50 of us and we're in much better shape. Like, we're a club sport and you're frat bros. So, like, stop. And they just, you know, they they were belligerent, just ready to get into it. And the biggest wait, 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 wait. You're saying you're saying you couldn't reason with a bunch of drunk college kids? No, I know it was really bizarre. Usually they're so usually they're so open to logic, and, yeah, and, and ready to talk, um, empathy, and so one of the guys on the team who is like the biggest motherfucker I've ever met in my entire life saw this going on. I'm a great hype man. I don't, I can't get into fights on my own. But I was sitting there just, you know, just, oh, you're gonna mess with us. Ugh. So he heard this and he turns around and he walks up and he's 6'11". And at the time, he was only 250 pounds, 260 pounds. Oh, okay. He's very skinny for 6'11". But he walks up and he's towering over these two frat guys, still standing below them in the bleachers. And one guy just like starts rolling his shoulders and getting ready for a fight. And Lucas just like bonk. On the head, like a fucking... He just he just fezzigs him right on the top. Yeah, and like everybody looks, and they shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, we just, we did that, that very martial arts movie, Bruce Lee thing, where we just like, 
you know, did that, and everybody just turned around and enjoyed the football game. No more problems the rest of the day. Hmm. Glad it glad it worked out. It was great. It was great. It was the best thing I've ever seen martially in the wild. Hmm. So one time I was coming off a night shift at a restaurant that I worked at in college, and we used to go to uh, a hole-in-the-wall bar called the Upper Deck. Did you ever visit the Upper Deck when you came to visit in Charleston? I don't think I did. I, was, I wasn't I was of age until like the last year you were there. Yeah. Anyway, it's changed since then, but it's it's one of those places, there's no sign outside. It's just like in an alley. You got to walk down the alley and go up the stairs, and there's a bar upstairs. Um, and they catered to F&B people, so they stayed open late. Yeah. So when the restaurant crew can get off, they would come and have a couple, you know, one or seven drinks, whatever. <laughs> and we sh- and I showed up after this one time, and I and I go upstairs, and at this table there is a buddy that I know through an acquaintance. He's he's not my friend directly, but he's a friend of a friend. Sure. And and so I walked over to say hey, and there were there were two or three other guys around him. Uh, and we're all around the same age, early 20s, something like that. And everybody, they're all drunk. I just got off work, so I'm, I'm trying to catch up. <laughs> but they're, you know, they're, they're, they're doing the, the 2 a.m. bar thing at this point. So it's like, whatever. I don't know these guys. I know this guy. I'm kind of like floating between the bar and the table. Like I got my drink and like I haven't committed to sitting down. And at one point, one of these guys stands up, reaches across the table and just decks this guy. Like closed fist, hard, just in the jaw, just bam. And I don't think they were arguing. I think it was uh, some shit talking, and one guy just wanted to go ahead and prove a point. And so he he just slams this guy in the jaw. And so you know, right then and there, you think like, well, <laughs> now what do we do? So I walked up to the guy and I grabbed both of his hands and I and I pinned him against the wall. And I didn't hit him or anything, but I, I, I my, my intention was to like de-escalate, you know. And I started with the hey man, like let's not let's not do this. Let's let's ease back. We don't need to be. Yeah. I don't know what your beef is, but we don't. But he wasn't having none of that. He was <laughs> he, he 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 was either drunk or ignorant enough to where that wasn't Got probably it. a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. So he's swearing in my face, and the other two guys are getting all rustled up. So I let him go. And then he just two two hand just chest push, you know. So I stumble back a foot, and by then you hear all the all the 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 bar stools screech out. Yeah. yeah, everybody turns around and looks, and the music stops for some reason. Um, and then we're, and then I'm in this and I'm in this scenario where like I am stone cold sober. This guy is definitely not. He's definitely got it coming, and he just hit one of my friends, and everybody's watching. Uh, and I was like I said, I think it was twenty. No, I was 21 because I was ordering drinks. Yeah. I was I was at least 21 at the time. Um, but yeah, it was a really tough call because like I'd say 90% of me wanted to be like, just spin kick him in the face. Spin kick him in the face. Just spin kick him in the face. He's never going to see it coming. He's going to fall down. No problem. Just do it. This is easy. Easy. He pushed you away. He gave you the room to do it. He, started he pushed it. you seven feet away. Yeah. Yeah. You can easily get around there. But for whatever reason, I, I chose not to, to, much to the chagrin of the, the viewers. Yeah, the rest the of the bar. bar. Yeah, and so I leaned over to my buddy in the heat of the moment. I said, "Hey man, let's 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 get out of here." So we 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 scooted up and went up to the to the bar. And you know, by now they're all swearing at us and yelling shit. Oh, you fucking pussy, come back here. Yeah. And we walk over to the bar and I lean into uh the bartender. I said, "Wayne, I don't want to be a nuisance, but these guys are I think they're real drunk. They just hit they just hit my friend in the jaw and 
So, you know, it was, it, I essentially played the kid you would make fun of in third grade. Sure. But, but then the bartender's like, oh, okay. So he goes and just chucks him out. He just throws him out. You guys got to go. So five minutes later, I'm sitting at the bar with my buddy. I got a cold beer. No bruises, no handcuffs, no police. So we're fine. That's good. So in, in, yeah, in the heat of the moment, I was like, oh, you definitely get into a fight right now. This is, <laughs> this is 100% what you were trying to, Just all the movies no are pointing in the right direction. On, yeah. yeah. But, it, you know, having tangled with the law here and there in my past, I, I realized like, I, I don't need them showing up right after I get off work. Yeah. So we, 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 we took the, we took the righteous path, which did not feel good in, in the instance but looking back on it, I think it was I think it was the right idea, you know. And it, unless you really really need to, there's never really an easy, a reason to. There's no there's no need to get into it, you know. If you're not threatened, sacrificing yourself it. to restart the first flame never feels good. You might as well let the the world end. Is that from a Dark Souls reference? Thing? Oh well, <laughs> I only play good video games, so <laughs> that's all. That's a whole know. different show. <laughs> 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 Welcome to Martial Parts. We talk about verses, Andy. <laughs> so let's talk about some of your training these days. Yeah. Your, your, your training context. So context and training. I'm sure there are parallels in uh, Eastern traditional martial arts as there is in HEMA. Part of the problem with training on your own in HEMA, if your goal is to be a competitive fighter, is that finding something that gives you the proper mechanics for training against someone who has a steel sword is hard to find. Oh, sure. That's hard in any situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, if two steel swords collide and they bind, not like they didn't grab onto each other, but there were the swords didn't bounce, there was a, a hard contact, and you could wind on their blade, you could rotate around it, you could push it. So if you're training on your own, a lot of people have either wooden pels or tires that they use to train with to get in cuts and to worry about if their blade alignment is proper or if they're doing their hip rotation at the right time with their their arms or if they're positioning their body right, if they're working on footwork. And all of those things are very important, but translating hitting a wooden object with a steel sword and taking that into hitting a steel sword with a steel sword is mm. very different. Right. Um, so part of the problem that I've been having, and I've, I've been talking to the instructors, is that I'm trying to do a lot of things. I'm trying to work on a lot of different techniques and worry about footwork and worry about where my arms are and, and do a lot of things. And essentially every time I talk to them, they're telling me to take it down to smaller and smaller and smaller pieces of each cut. Um, today, all I did was work on hip timing and positioning of my hands on one cut for, for half an hour. I just did an overhow, which is just, you know, it's called the peasant cut because that's what everybody does. When you give them a sword and you say hit, they just, you know, overhand swing. That's what you do. It's like a baseball swing. Overhow? <laughs> yeah, unterhow. Um, Mm, so over when <laughs> over there their castle mm. their wolf so i just worked on 
positioning my blade, rotating my hips, and putting the blade onto the pel, and thinking of that in the context of when I get into a fight, when I get into my next sparring match, that these mechanics are going to be different, and I shouldn't be worried about the actual contact my blade is making with the object as much as the mechanics my body are learning in this position. Hmm. There's a, a phrase that I hear all the time, and it's in a lot of different things, and it, it's very apt for training in general, for anything. It's, it's practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Sure. So if you, under the, if you understand the context in which you're training, even if you're not doing everything perfect, if you're getting out of the training what you are looking for, it's useful. The the other part of that, the the other part of context that I I, I want to hone in on, and this is from cross training for rowing too, doing cross training in context for whatever sport you're doing. It, do, it doesn't matter if it's martial arts or rowing or football or you know whatever you're doing. Doing something that is completely different is one of the most important things to get better at your sport. But you have to mm. do it in the context of getting better at your sport. Example. So I can I can wax poetic about cross-training for rowing because I did it for much, much longer and read about it and did a lot of detail in it. So rowing is a very weird sport. It's aerobic, but there's a lot of lactic acid training, a lot of anaerobic peak training, uh, VO2 max threshold training. It's There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. But you also have to do a ton of lifting. You're essentially doing lifting like you do a lot of chest work because throughout your training of a season, you lose a lot of muscle because mm. you want to start with more muscle than you have and train to, a, you know, a, a nice edge. The you want to be a, as light as possible. Right. By the end of the season, you want to be... you're on a boat. Yeah. You want no fat. No, I mean, you want as little fat as possible, as much muscle as you can, and to have the lactic acid threshold as high as you can possibly take it, because that increases how hard you can push your muscles. But you're doing these things, you, you use practically no chest, no triceps in rowing, but you have to do a lot of training over the course of a season to make sure that you don't have these imbalances in your muscles and that you're training to make sure that the muscles you are destroying, that you're really hurting, are in good enough shape to recover from compensating for the muscles you're not using. You need to know the context for why you're training these muscles you're not using for something completely different. Cross-training during the season isn't running because you're already doing aerobic work. You're already working your legs really hard. You're doing things like that. So there's a lot of calisthenics. There's a lot of weightlifting. There's a lot of upper body stuff because you need to get those in as good a shape as you can so you can forget about them for three months while you're training mm. other things. Same, same sort of thing comes into, into play you know, training Eastern martial arts, but we, we don't do as much competition as you guys did in rowing, but, you know, things like flexibility and endurance are not always evident in a sparring match because it's, you know, what's, what's a sparring match? Three minutes, maybe depending on what, what league you're in. I mean, they're usually 60 second rounds and yeah, I don't know, it depends on what rules you're fighting under, but you know, you got to have that flexibility so you can put your foot on top of the guy's head or you know, be able to use your, your shoulders and all this different range of motion without it overextending right. or anything. 
and then just just the endurance just just running i mean like i'm 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 no athletic runner by any means but i can i can i can jog for quite a while and keep yeah. going but you know a, a 3 minute sparring match i'm toast yeah i got to i got to end it way before 3 minutes like there's no way there's no way i'm staying in yeah we used to have this guy who came and trained at our studio he did uh, jiu jitsu muay thai mm-hmm. and he he was a was a blue belt so like the first step up so he was still a beginner, but he knew more than I did in that style. So after our Tang Sudo class, he would he anybody who wanted to hang out afterwards, he would show him some jujitsu moves. And every now and then we would we would roll on the mats just to submission. But um very, very occasionally we would do full not full, almost full MMA matches. Stand up on the ground just until the other guy taps out. You just go as long as you can. The, the, what we left out was like the ground and pound sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, where they have the guy in full mount and they're just like slamming him in the face. We didn't go that far. Yeah. But it was, you know, if I can knock you off and get back up and on my feet, then we're good. If you can get me down to the ground and put me in a submission, then that's that's what it is. And more often than not, our, our matches would just end by just both people tapping out like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw up. I have to stop. <laughs> like, I can't. Like, nobody's tapped out or anything. We're just like, I'm just too tired. I can't. <laughs> I can't keep going. So the endurance is like a huge part in, in those full body full body matches. That's that's more of a anaerobic threshold training. Yeah. Um so yeah. like spring And that was ten years ago for me. So yeah. now yeah. like now I know like I have to end this in twenty seconds or like I'm, I'm gonna, toast. I've got to puke no all way. over him. There's no way I'm going five minutes with this guy. Yeah. My um in in rowing, I coached one year just to help out. And I knew this was coming because I'd done it four times at this point. You start spring season with a ton of like really long pieces to get that aerobic work in. And then you start doing longer sprint pieces, but you do thousand thousand meter pieces as hard as you can. And that's the day everybody pukes because it's the first anaerobic work that you've done of the season and your body is not prepared for that. So you know, say you're doing a three and a half minute piece as hard as you can. Just fucking, you're going at it. You can feel all of the acid in your stomach, the acid in your legs, just all over your body. As soon as you stand up, your stomach goes, and anything you've eaten that day is on the ground. And um, the year I was helping coach, this <laughs> this guy came up to me after his first piece and went, oh, coach, I'm not feeling so good. I don't know if I can finish this workout. And I just like, grabbed a bucket and handed it to him i'm like <laughs> wipe it up if you miss there you go buddy yeah. yeah um but we we have people at the club who don't this this context that i'm talking about cross training doing other things looking at what no, you're going to that. need yeah they just see well we're gonna spar so all we should do is spar we don't need to do fundamentals we don't need to work on footwork real hard we don't need to work on timing and positioning we don't need to worry about blade placement where our tip is we don't need to worry about our hands because it's not as important as sparring well but if they're just doing it just for fun then i mean i can see that like, i just want to spar i just want to hit people with a sword sure and practice that sure but there's a plateau that you're going to hit by not learning the fundamentals better and not just learning them, but training them. You know, it's it's boring to do the same cut over and over and over and over again. 
But it gets to the point where you're executing that cut so well that if somebody comes in with the proper defense to your cut, but they don't even execute it as good as yours, you're going to win. Right. Right. There's also muscle memory that comes with just wanting to do that. And I would say... Out of all of the things you can do to yourself with training, that muscle memory is the worst thing to screw up, because that's the hardest thing to train out of. So if you just get into the mindset that we're just training, you only ever go 95% of what would kill someone, because that's that's the context that you're training in, is just sparring. Just swing real fast, get these hits off, and you'll win. But then if someone asks you to slow it down so that you can work on bind work, so that you can work on fueling, so that you can... Then you're at a disadvantage. Right. And that that comes to a real bright spotlight because you can't pull off the slower motor skills that it takes to perform the basics. You might know them, but they're they're imperfect. And the thing is, is, this is my philosophy, that if... If you can perform the fundamentals in any sport, you might not be the flashiest, you might not be the the most iconic of whatever sport you're doing, but if you can do the fundamentals as good as your body will allow you to do, you're going to be better than somebody who's worried about winning. Right. Because it's a it's a completely different mindset. Train that context, do your research. Make sure that what you're doing is going to benefit you, but also enjoy what you're doing. If you're not enjoying it, it doesn't matter if you know the context or you know what you're doing. Or yeah, you're going to get burnt right. out. You're going to get burnt out. enjoying it. Yeah. Definitely. Cross train. It's the best. <laughs> so for the time being, you're going to keep training in the backyard? Is that the, that the plan for now? Or yeah. Do you have any, any goals for quarantine training? Is there anything you're looking at? Um, there's the potential that the school is going to open up soon. I'm, I don't know. If I feel real confident that the health experts have agreed that our state is where it needs to be, <laughs> I might go train. I have the luxury that we're not coming in contact. We're always at least four feet away from each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we don't have the luxury in our studio. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're sharing sweat. Yeah, we... Mostly get away from that. We're a very huggy school. We like hugs, but usually mm-hmm. we're we're far enough away that we don't have to worry about it. Se- several times when I'm sparring some of my senior black belts, we'll finish a match, and one of us, this has happened multiple times, one of us will look down at the other and go, oh, there's blood on your uniform. And then the other one goes, is that my blood or is that your blood? Ugh. And then we both have to stop and look around and go, all right, who's who's bleeding? Where's the blood coming <laughs> oh, from? Oh, God. Yeah. So it's... it's 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 impressive to have blood on your uniform. It's more impre- pl- it's more impressive to have somebody else's blood on your uniform. Yeah, I guess it, if you know who it is too, especially that's a, it's good to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we're you know we're we're recording this this episode mid May right now, so you know by the time this posts, we might be back to somewhat normal circumstances for training. But for now, you're saying you're gonna. Just kind of take it easy. Just keep doing what I'm doing. Um, I still feel like I was fairly far behind the rest of the group at my school just because I'm one of the newer ones to join. So I'm enjoying being able to bust down to the basics on my own and not have to worry about holding someone else back. So, yeah, yeah I'm going to I'm going to keep working in the backyard and just 
just work on the fundamentals. How about you? There you go. Um, you know, we talked about this last episode. Haven't haven't done this for so long. Uh, a six month blip isn't that big of a deal for me. Yeah. So I'm not too worried. Uh, being older, being the oldest that I have ever been so far, <laughs> I am very concerned with keeping my endurance, my flexibility up. So, you know, running, making sure I do a lot of stretching. I've been training a lot of Qigong, which we can talk about that in future episodes. Sure. Uh, but Qigong is kind of what keeps the, it's, 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 Qigong is the equivalent of like changing your spark plugs and your, and your oil filter. <laughs> sure. Just to making, making sure everything goes correctly. So we can, we can get into that more. So yeah, just doing that, you know, doing some, some hand drills and some foot drills with the wife when she's willing to hold the targets, maybe convincing her to spar here or there. I tagged her in the head one too many times, so she doesn't like to. She doesn't like to spar anymore. That'll do it. I don't do that anymore. I listen. <laughs> I listen to my wife. It's a good we, thing to do. Since then. Yeah. But yeah, we'll just we'll just keep keep at it and see what the future holds with it. Yeah. Well. Cool. Uh, I hope everybody's enjoyed this. I I've enjoyed making these, so I hope anybody who tunes in has enjoyed listening to them as much as we enjoy making them. But uh, I I think. Uh, we're we're pretty much done with this episode. Uh, if you want to check out our other shows at Final Plank, our parent network, check us out at finalplank.com or on social media at Final Plank on Instagram, Facebook, and the Twitter. Lots of good stuff. Lots of other good shows for you to check out. Lots of, lots of good ways to waste your time. Um, mm. Well, not waste your time, to use your time. We know you've got plenty of time to use these days. <laughs> you should use it with us. Yeah. Uh, but this has been Martial Parts, the podcast where we talk about the different parts of martial arts. I have been your HEMA enthusiast and coast. Wow. I have been your HEMA enthusiast and host, Nolan Lacey. I have been your Tong Sudo coast, Brent Lacey. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Martial Parts is produced by Brent and Nolan Lacey. Theme music by Jared Bookbinder. Martial Parts is a production of Final Plank Media.